This is Corkscrew Convos, another theme park podcast. My name is DJ. And my name is Chris. And we're here to talk about theme parks, roller coasters, barbecue, the theater, a town of chocolate, and everything else under the sun in its time. But first, let's get the disclaimer out of the way. The views, opinions, and information expressed during the following presentation are solely those of the individuals involved and do not represent organizations affiliated with those individuals. Now, DJ, we have this in our intro where we mention the theater, the theater, the theater, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but I'm, I think it's safe to say that both you and I are fans of the arts, and that's arts with a capital A. Is that correct? That's correct. I mean, whether it's performance art, dance, song, um, music, really anything. Now, I will admit to you, I struggle getting into painted art, if that makes sense, things that you would draw. <laughs> um, you know, art museum isn't my favorite place in the world. Uh, but that Give being it a said, couple yes. Years. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, it's true. Uh, the art that I'm into, my wife says, oh, that's not good art. So, what? What does she not like? I like the very, um, oh, I guess you would call it like realism, not realism. I don't know. It's just portraits of people where it's not really artistic or anything. It's just like portraits from like the 1700s or the 1600s or the 1800s. And I like landscapes where it's just, oh, how did they get the color so accurate? Like right. that intrigues me more than, say, a Picasso. And occasionally on that landscape is going to be a clock that has deflated and melted over a tree branch. And then I like Dali. Get, I yeah. like that. I yeah. like stuff like that. Um, but, you know, I always gravitate towards self-portraits and, and whatnot, things that rich people were able to get for themselves. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, we're, we're both fan, we're fans of the arts, DJ. We have a love for the theater, for other arts and other forms, but... I think that's ultimately because life is a stage. We have both performed before in different capacities. I remember you being a screamster. We talked about that on our very first episode, in addition to other fun that you've had. I've had some fun as well performing here and there back in the day. I've definitely watched a lot of theater of well as well. I've been up to Broadway several times to see some shows that I'm really crazy about. Uh, it's always been a great time. Haven't been up there since 2019, so i got to get back there when it's possible again but I just I, I love theater and so I'm I'm always mm. glad that we're able to occasionally bring up things like the theater in Corkscrew Convos we even put it in our intro because it's something that I like to come back to it's something I like to revisit that helps me to be anchored I guess I, I could say um, in theme parks, I love to watch the shows. I know we've right. talked about that a lot. Um, when we talked about my visit to Universal just a couple episodes ago, I was talking about the shows that I saw as well, shows that I had not seen before. And it did take me a couple visits to Universal before I was able to spare the time to see something like the horror makeup show. Uh, but now that I have, it's something that I definitely try to make an effort to, if not every time I visit Universal, maybe every other time, because it's just a, a really fun opportunity to see uh, a funny show and air conditioning and just relax for about 20 minutes. DJ, since before this podcast began in October 2020, I hadn't been able to get out into the theater outside of a theme park uh, to see a show. 
Um, of course, with this little thing called the pandemic, that really did interfere with a lot of how theater has been run the last couple of years. Broadway itself was closed for more than a year. Um, there's still a, a lot of productions, a lot of uh, production companies that aren't back to where they were before the pandemic. And a lot of them have gone the way of the dodo, unfortunately, as well. It's been uh, really rough, not only in the themed entertainment industry and in the attractions industry, but for the theater industry as well. I mean, if you think about New York, a lot of Midtown Manhattan businesses are based on the foot traffic that theaters bring in every night for both restaurants, but also other elements, gift shops, things as well, tourist attractions that uh, thrive off of the thousands of people that are brought into Midtown Manhattan every day. So for us to get back to a point where theater is coming back in a lot of ways and a lot of shows are reopening on Broadway and there's even a couple new shows that are in development as well, I think it's a major, I don't know about an inflection point, but a, a point of recognition, something that we should recognize where uh, we're finding a way to do it. I say we're like I'm contributing to it, but they're finding a way to do it. Um, well, you are. I mean, you, you have the hunger and you want to go to a show as long as it's done safely as possible. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you, you do kind of play into it, you know, it's, right. it's you voting with your dollars. It's you sharing things on social media. So, you know, don't, don't count yourself out too much. Oh, thank you. Um, well, I guess DJ, the reason why I'm bringing up this theater talk at the top of the show is both to revive what we have, this being part of our intro where we say we're here to talk about theme parks, roller coasters, barbecue, the theater, because I think it does mean something to both of us in our lives, too. And, and I'm happy to say that just a couple days ago, I was fortunate enough to get back into the theater, DJ. I was able to see a regional production of Songs for a New World by Jason Robert Brown. Are you familiar with this uh, musical, DJ? I'm not. I've also not heard of Jason Robert Brown. Were you able to go to this because of where you're at now, you're moving, you've moved to a new location. There's a theater close to you, I'm assuming. Right. I, I still don't know a lot about where I am now. <laughs> little by little, I'm learning more. I'm discovering new attractions. A lot of them are closed well, I won't, for the winter. We won't tell anyone where you're at, but I know quite a bit. So Okay, good. <laughs> my, my favorite band is from where you're, you're, oh. you're living. I'll, I'll tell you offline. But. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I'm sure if people put together the clues, they'd be able to figure it out. But... I am in a new area, and I am little by little learning more about the community, and it's it's a point of discovery for me to be able to just Google search what's going on here on this weekend and, and be able to put together, oh, there's a convention center here. Oh, there is a theater here, and, and that's how I found something that was where uh, this production of Songs for a New World was. Uh, it was a regional theater company that does a pay-what-you-will policy, DJ. Um, and they do that. Interesting. It's, I mean, it is what it sounds like, pay what you will, where you can go through the doors for free. You have to reserve your ticket, of course, and it's general, um, general um, admission, so there's not assigned seating. But you can pay zero dollars. You could pay a lot more than that. Um, <laughs> and, and they do that because they want to make sure that theater in this community is accessible for everyone. Uh, because a lot of times, I mean, I already mentioned it, but Broadway, 
That can be very expensive. You are probably not going to find a ticket to a Broadway musical itself for less than $120. And even then, you're up there in the nosebleeds, in the mezzanine, right. in the balcony. Right. Uh, if you're down in the orchestra, it can get many times that. And um, depends on the show, too, right? If you're going to yeah. see Phantom or Lion King or you know something like that, you're going to pay even more. Right. Well, Phantom's interesting because it's sort of... I mean, <laughs> Here we are. We're about to talk. Well, about I've never, the, the I've grossing. never been to Broadway. You know, I'll be honest. I've, uh, I've never been. So you'll need to educate me. I've always wanted to go. I know what shows I would see, but mm-hmm. well, Phantom. I mean, forgive the tangent, but Phantom's been running for decades now, and it sort of disrupts a lot of norms in terms of sales and and grossing throughout the seasons. I mean, there are there shows like Lion King and Wicked and Hamilton that are just going to fill the house every single time. They're going to gross millions a week, that sort of thing. Uh, right. Phantom, it doesn't always fill the house, but it's steady enough sales to just keep on chugging. Chugga, 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 chugga. And it just keeps going because it's yeah. such a, a known product that it, it brings out the people that are both familiar with the show if it's been, if it's been a, a touring production going through their town or if they've seen the movie even 15-ish yep. years ago. Uh, and they want to see the Ooh, show. Don't say that. <laughs> it wasn't a good movie, <laughs> But that's... that's <laughs> you don't a, like the angelic voice of Gerard Butler and Patrick Wilson? Raw, raw. <laughs> no, I don't like Gerard Butler's voice. Great, great actor, but uh, I, I don't know about him being the Phantom. <laughs> but that's uh, another tangent for another day. Uh, uh, back to this pay what you will policy. It's it's something that I've seen occasionally for uh, theater companies to do something like this for one night during the run of a show, but for their whole run of a show in this particular theater company for it to be pay what you will it really shows an investment in the community making it possible for uh, kids that have been saving up five bucks over the course of a couple weeks to be able to buy a ticket to the theater and see these shows young so that they are then inspired to be lifelong fans of the theater in any form so Mm. I was definitely uh, happy to see that but this production of but, songs... But you could go in and not pay a single thing. Like, there is could. really no reserve yeah. or minimum. I huh. would feel bad if I did. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> but, <laughs> I, yeah. I have a job. <laughs> yeah, so I paid money. Uh, I won't say how much I paid, but I, I paid what I thought was fair uh, for that production. And I am so glad that I went, DJ. It was an incredible production of what I know is a challenging piece because there's a lot of very complicated songs, a lot of belting, I would say, a lot of Mm. complicated elements to it. And I say musical, but it's more of a song cycle where there isn't a plot, an overarching plot to the musical, but it's still not just a concert. Uh, Each song in in the piece itself brings its own story with its own characters. And they don't say who the characters are. It's not like they have names or unique costumes, but you get a sense of what the character is purely through the song itself. And then after that song is over, it's on to a new story with new characters. Uh, But it's, it's about the moment of decision. That's how it's explained a lot for Songs for a New World. Why and how do we make the choices that we do in these situations? And these are often situations that are both archetypical, I don't know if I'm saying that right, archetypical, where it's about 
someone reuniting with the long lost love and, and talking about how things went, what did they do since they broke up, and what happens now. Um, so there's like, maybe a song like that. There's some other songs that bring a little bit of comedy into it as well, uh, like a, a hysterical song about Mrs. Claus, who's a little lonely because <laughs> it always seems like Santa is uh, off with the elves and the reindeer just doing whatever, having fun. Um, so there, there's a wide range of songs, a wide range of situations that are both relatable and novel, I guess I should say, in the case of that. But it's it's funny how theater can affect you, I guess. I, I don't know about you, DJ, but when I see a really good show, and it doesn't have to be like Broadway, top of the line, huge production budget, when I see a really compelling production of something, it just engrosses me. And it's all that I think of for hours after I'm seeing it, because... Uh, I don't know how to explain it more, DJ, but do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, they've caught you in that that willing suspension of disbelief. But yeah. for you, it it carries on much, much more after the show is over. I mean, I know you said it doesn't have to be a Broadway-style show, but for me, the first time I, and only time, I had seen Hamilton, November 2019, in Chicago, um, without knowing really anything about Hamilton beforehand. Uh, it definitely did that to me where all night I was thinking, wow, the yeah. songs were great. I had to immediately listen to the soundtrack and be like, because I hadn't listened to the songs before, just, you know, not in- intently anyways. And I was like, oh, what was that? Oh, that was that one I really liked and go through and figure it out and, and really just digest what did I see. And I think that probably is was more common uh, a longer time ago when we didn't have TV and other media when after a show, maybe you would go out with your friends to a tavern or you'd go home with your family and you just sit and talk and, and kind of digest it all and figure out, okay, what did we just see? What did we just hear? What yeah. did it mean? Yeah, I think that that's something that is really powerful. And I think that relates to the role that theater has in a lot of our lives. Um, I guess I would say that movies can also have a similar effect, but not as often in my experience. I mean, yeah, yes, mm-hmm. Inven- Avengers Infinity War, yes, had the same effect on me uh, at the end where I, I just had to... I haven't seen it yet. Wait, what? Nope. I, okay. I need to... Oh, no, 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 no. I've seen Infinity War. I've okay. not seen Endgame. I've not okay. seen Endgame. I need to watch Captain Marvel. Anyways. Okay, you scared me for a minute. I thought I was going <laughs> to... I'm glad you stopped me when I did, but uh, I'm glad <laughs> that you've seen it. But yeah, it's... And sometimes it can happen with shows, sometimes with TV, but really with compelling, yeah. well-done theater at any level, it, it really brings you in and just allows you to just be a part of that world for a moment. And I think that's what we look for in, in great theme park experiences as well. Um, when it's done really well, it, it engrosses you in such a way. Uh, but my experience with Songs for a New World had predated my day at this theater uh, this past week. I had first listened to all of these songs in early 2019 um, when the cast recording had come out from the 2018 New York City Center Encores production uh, where they had done uh, just a quick staging. There wasn't a very long run for this production, but they had an incredible cast that they had put together. It's only four people. It's a, a quartet, but they just sound like so much more, especially when they sing together. It's part of the reason why it's such a difficult piece is because it's so demanding. 
Um, but the, the cast that I saw both this past week did an incredible job. And the uh, cast recording cast, which, I mean, you could stream it on Spotify anywhere. I, I encourage, nay, demand that you, dear listener, go check it out. Um, again, Songs for a New World. It's an incredible cast recording that I, I would really recommend that you check out to just sort of listen to the songs. Maybe when you're trying to fall asleep one night, just turn it on. You're driving to work. Turn it on. See what you like. Um, because there's a lot of very different songs. If there's maybe one style, one genre, one direction that you're not a huge fan of, the next song is going to be entirely different about a different situation with different characters. Again, no dialogue, but it, they're communicating through the song. And I really think that there is a lot for everybody to enjoy, hopefully. So uh, <laughs> forgive my soapbox here. I'll step down for that for a moment. Uh, but... <laughs> That was where I had first encountered Songs for a New World, was early 2019. Um, and uh, it's, it's funny how something like a sound, a smell, a song, or some other sense experience can bring you back to a past moment. Uh, for me, personally, I associate Songs for a New World with my February 2019 trip to San Francisco. Um, and that's purely because I listened to it on the plane to the city. Um, <laughs> I mean, it brings me back to that trip. And when I saw that production just this past week, I found myself thinking back to my trip to San Francisco, um, which I had done over the course of three days where I flew to San Francisco one day, spent a full day there, and then flew back the morning after when I was living in California. And I had thought of thoughts that I hadn't thought of since I was in San Francisco more than two years ago. Um, I, I remember the bad takeout that I got that one night. I mean, I kept hearing about amazing Chinese food in San Francisco. Um, don't go to the place that I ordered from because it was just okay. <laughs> but... <laughs> I thought about that for the first time, and I don't know how long, how, mm. how it tasted, how I remembered getting it, the, the way that there was still a chill in the air because it was February in San Francisco, but it was still somehow comfortable because it's just this perfect climate in San Francisco. Yeah, San Francisco is like, yeah. I've looked at places I would want to live in the future. It's like, that's perfect. Uh, never below 50, never above like 85. Yeah, if you can afford it, it's incredible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everyone else has the same idea. Yeah, yeah. So I, I remember the museums I visited more vividly now because I was thinking back to uh, when I had both been, I guess, engrossed in those songs, both in February of 2019 and then back here to late March of 2022, it sort of, it transported me back to the wharf. When I was walking along, I'd go down the fisherman's wharf, smell all the fish and stuff. And it, it it's, you know, it's just interesting how, I guess, these sort of associations, associating events aren't planned, but they are pleasant and unexpected ways to be reminded of the past, I guess I could say. Hmm. Yeah. I like that. I mean, that's 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 a good way to, to, to put that. I'm trying to think if there's anything that maybe that's happened to me in the past. Sometimes if I go to a theme park and I order a certain food, it triggers the memory. But usually it's a memory of the theme park. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I, I smell something. I'm still not sure what it is, but I'll smell it in certain types of cuisine. 
And it takes me back to when I was in Vietnam and in Indonesia. It's a certain taste, a certain smell. Yeah. I'm still, I still haven't identified what it was, but I can remember where I was and, and how I felt. And I guess that's also a test taking tip. They tell people, you know, (laughs) chew a certain type of gum when you're studying. And then when you take the test, try and pop the gum in. Yeah. I don't know what the scientific term for all of this is. There's got to be some journal articles written about it because it's amazing how vivid a memory can be when you get brought back to it um, in an unexpected way, an unexpected sense that is the link that brings it back. And DJ, if you'll indulge me in one more tangent, and I know we're sort of still in the front matter of the show, but I I think this is something worth noting. Uh, This is also this past week where I had found a song that I had been unable to track down uh, that I had heard only once before. Have you ever been in a situation like that, DJ, where you hear a song, Mm -hmm. either Mm -hmm. a band performing it or it's on the radio and you don't have Soundhound ready to go and you're, you're trying to catch the chorus so that you can Google it later on? Yep, yep. Many times that's happened to me. Yeah, I, (laughs) I, interestingly, was, um... Back in the day at Disneyland, they used to have swing dancing every Saturday night in the Royal Theater, uh, which was the venue just in the shadow of Sleeping Beauty Castle. And this was a tradition dating back to the days of, I think, the late 50s, early 60s. So it had been going on for 60 or so years by that point when I was there. Um, And part of my duties at Disneyland were to work in the Royal Theater um, and house management, crowd control, that sort of thing. And I occasionally would get a shift where I would be facilitating swing dancing, uh, which, I mean, it's those were really fun shifts, DJ, because there were people that had been going to swing dancing at Disneyland for decades. (laughs) There'd be these... Uh, these couples who you can tell they, they've been here for a long time, and sometimes they were even some um, more experienced uh, swing dancers who would, and now tricks weren't allowed. You weren't allowed to lift or do anything for safety reasons <laughs> at Disneyland, but they, they would definitely uh, show off their proficiency in swing dancing, and, and, and Disneyland itself would bring out a professional swing band playing big band music. Uh, it was just an incredible time, even to be working there at that time. Of course, you were making sure that everyone was safe, but you were also able to enjoy the atmosphere of the swing dancing, the the great band. This is a, like professional bands in L.A. that would uh, be rented out for Disneyland. And uh, I have no idea what the state of that is now with uh, Disneyland opening again. Uh, I have no idea if they've brought that back since their closure of more than a year. But it was a really fun time. And I guess the reason I had brought it up is because they introduced this song and said, this song is called Sunny. And and they played it. And I remember really enjoying it, uh, of course, because it was both live music and it was a really great song. And I tried to remember the, the lyrics, the, the way that it sounded. But when I would go back after work and I would try to look up the song, I looked up these websites that had these swing dancing standards, hundreds of them, and I tried to find the song that I heard, and I couldn't. <laughs> and so that was that. <laughs> Fast forward two years, more than two years even, DJ, and it's 2022, 
And I was just sitting at home listening to Marvin Gaye, as one does. <laughs> and I heard this song called Sunny. Oh. And <laughs> I remember when I heard it, I, I was like, wait, I've heard this song before. Where have I heard this song before? And I looked at the, I looked at the title and I saw that it was Sunny. And <laughs> I just think it's funny, DJ. It's how, a good feeling. It's yeah, a good feeling. It, it felt good. It felt like a puzzle piece being, the, the last puzzle piece being put into place in a thousand piece puzzle. You can sleep and, better at night. Yeah, I mean, I played that for song and sure. repeat for I don't know how long. <laughs> My Spotify wrapped is going to be very strange because there's <laughs> going to be a lot of fixations that I have on certain songs, this being one of them. Uh, but it's a, it's a really good song. Again, dear listener, once you're done listening to Songs for a New World, go ahead and listen to Sunny by Marvin Gaye. If there were a way to both play it in this podcast and not break every copyright law in the world, <laughs> uh, I would. But <laughs> it's unfortunately not possible to play a song in this podcast and both be uh, respectful of the artist and, and what they deserve when you listen to their music. Right. So I'll just say go ahead and listen to that song, buy that song, <laughs> whatever you want to do. Uh, but it's a, a really great song. It has a, a really nice energy to it. And I am so glad that I just happened upon it one day. And I guess we've really sort of, we've started this episode differently than we usually do, DJ. I think a lot of times we jump right into what we're trying to say. And, and we started out with a little bit of theater talk, a little bit of music talk now. And I think it's just good to sometimes talk about what is driving us in our lives one particular week. Uh, mine would be a new car. <laughs> That's what's, Wait, you bought a new car? That's what's driving me. Well, oh. a, a used car, but yes. yes okay, yes. a new used car. Yes, what yes. kind of car did you do? Uh, I uh, actually got a smaller car than what I had. I had a longer sedan, a four-door. Um, I had a Dodge Charger that I had. Uh, you've been in it. Um, yeah. I had it for five years now, and so I decided to get something a little smaller, um, but uh, something that's way more reliable. So I actually yeah. bought a, a used Acura, and so enjoying driving that around. Oh, cool. Yeah, I, I, uh, I don't think I've driven an Acura, but... You, you technically have, nice. because an oh, Acura yeah, is gonna... essentially a Honda. Yeah, I, mean, I remember when you told me that one day, how it's the luxury the luxury brand for Honda, and I was like, Yeah, huh, they wanted okay. to... It was in the late 80s, Honda wanted to launch a luxury Honda, and they did the market research, and they said, you're a fool, no one in the United States <laughs> will buy a Honda and think it's luxury, and so they met with this company, and they decided what would this brand be. And so Acura was born. It's named Acura, as it's the Latin for accurate. And their logo, which looks like an A, is actually a set of calipers depicting the accuracy of the measurements used in those cars. This has been your fact of the week. <laughs> uh, I could talk oh, about cars great. forever, but... Hey, yeah. we, we should sometime. We should have a car episode uh, of course, we're going to have to have a Formula One episode or episodes coming up here, because uh, I know that you're you're getting into the fandom there, aren't you? I really am. I've never been so engrossed in a sport, and I and I think uh, truly 
Netflix is responsible for this with Drive to Survive, the wow. the miniseries, documentary series. I guess it's not a miniseries. It's a full thing. It's got It's on season four now where they take 10 episodes and they just document the season before. But I had a friend who said, you've really got to watch this. And I'm like, I really don't need to. <laughs> and so they finally suckered me into it. And I am... I am an addicted. I I was going to go to Austin this year for the race. It just it's just not going to work out. Um, as I think grass tickets where you're just sitting on a lawn, no seat necessarily. You bring your lawn chair for three days was two hundred and ninety dollars, maybe over three hundred. Um, wow. And then plus the you know the transportation to Austin, you can't really fly direct to Austin many times. Yeah, that that sounds expensive. That sounds like a, a ticket to the theater, even. <laughs> but you've given us a little bit of a preview. I mean, we might talk about Austin here in a little bit, specifically yeah. a theme park or amusement park that's soon to be located there. I wonder why. Yes, I do wonder why. But before we bring on the entree of today's episode, how about a brief reminder, Chris, of past adventures that we've had here on Corkscrew Convos? Well, DJ, we just finished up a three-part saga, trilogy, I don't know what to call it, but it was three episodes that we ended up recording all in one day. I mean, we, we made it to Mordor, essentially. To Mordor, yes. This is, if, if Peter Jackson were producing this podcast, that is what we would have done <laughs> because we, we had both gone to Orlando in the past couple of weeks and we decided we got to talk about this. We got to have a trip report. And it turned into three trip reports because we just had, we had so much fun. We had so many things that we had to cover. And I know I've said it before, but I really love these trip reports because they're sort of like a snapshot in time. It's us talking about the trip just after it happened. So we're, it's still fresh in our minds. We're still talking about the funds that we, the fun that we had, the things that we ate, the, the, the tractions that we visited and I, I haven't gone back to listen to it yet, but I know that it's going to be something really fun to go back and listen to even myself um, to remind myself of my past fun as well. So that's just me selfishly saying that these trip reports are really fun, but I would hope that they're also fun for the listeners as well. I can't really listen to anything we do because I hate my voice. So I always <laughs> trust what you say. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Well, we also had a couple episodes recently, too. We had an interview with Michael Graham, co-founder of The Gravity Group. This is a, a company that designs and constructs some of the best wooden coasters in the world, including some coasters that are being reconstructed, like the Beast at Kings Island, <laughs> which is having significant elements and portions of the coaster rebuilt from the ground up and re-engineered to be thrilling in the modern age. Did you see that its length is now going to be different? Did you read about this? I did not. What are the details? They are increasing the length, Gravity Group is, by an entire two feet. Wow. That's, the Beast will still I mean, hold the record for the longest <laughs> wooden roller coaster in the world. That's, that's <laughs> what you got to do when you're keeping up with the Joneses. <laughs> that's right. But that was a great episode. I love bringing on, whether it be engineers, we've had salespeople, 
uh, people who really just breathe um, the amusement industry for a living or a passion or whatnot, different influencers. So be sure to check through those episodes and find one you like. Uh, and it could be even the Planet Park we did, where we talked about what we would do differently, or in the future, I should say, at Holiday World and Splash and Safari, a family-owned theme park located in Santa Claus, Indiana, outside of Louisville, Kentucky, Evansville, Indiana as well. Um, so that was a good episode. We got to focus on their world-class water park. It's one of the best in the world in nowhere, Indiana, <laughs> and Holiday World too, with some of the best wooden roller coaster collections out there. Yeah, so if you're new to Corkscrew Convos, both thanks for stopping by. Uh, we hope that you enjoy yourself. We hope that you have enjoyed this sort of unique beginning to a podcast that we had for this episode itself, because we're 30, 40 minutes in and we're just sort of getting started. But go ahead and let us know if you enjoy yourself. We'd love to hear uh, what you've enjoyed. If you have something that you maybe haven't enjoyed, keep it to yourself. That's fine, too. (laughs) I kid. We love constructive compliments and criticism and and all that sort of thing, as long as you're writing a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts. (laughs) Now, I mean, speak of enjoy yourself, Chris. I heard you enjoyed yourself at a little theme park. And as we alluded to earlier in the episode at the beginning, in fact, a a little town, is, is the town made of chocolate entirely? Are the streets, the lights, the vehicles, the people? Nearly. I would say nearly made of chocolate. I, I of course, went to Hershey, Pennsylvania, just for a brief trip to Hershey's Chocolate Town. I hadn't visited in seven or eight years, I think. Maybe, no. Wow. Ten years. I think Sky Rush was new. So it had been a long time since I'd been to the area. And so they had done a lot since I was last there. Um, Except change the the trains on Sky Rush. (laughs) (laughs) Those are the same. Yeah, the the Hershey Park itself was closed during this visit. It was, of course, early March, uh, Mm -hmm. very cold, very chilly. But even so, Hershey's Chocolate World was open and opened, I think, at 10 o'clock that day. It was interesting, DJ, because when I had gotten there, parking was free or at least was unattended. So it was essentially free. And I went over to Chocolate World. There was a line to get in. So I just sort of walked past it to scope out. Chocolate Town itself, which was the new shopping and dining district that they built a couple years ago. Um, And it looked cool. It looked crisp and modern. And I was like, oh, that's nice. When 10 o'clock hit, the bell tower, which was in the shape, uh, the bell itself was in the shape of a Hershey's Kiss, when it rang out, I want to say that the chocolate smell began outside. (laughs) Because I remember... When I was walking through, I was like, huh, doesn't smell like chocolate. I wondered if, if they smell like chocolate sometimes. Maybe it depends on the way the wind is blowing. But when it rang out 10 o'clock and I was still walking around Chocolate Town, I noticed that, oh, now it smells like chocolate. So I wonder, <laughs> DJ, I wonder if they use those scent machines that push out that smell Um it would make sense because yeah, uh, it, I wouldn't be I surprised. Mean, one minute I didn't smell chocolate, and the other minute when it was officially open, I did smell chocolate. And it's not like there's any active chocolate production happening right there anymore. I think, I think the the factories themselves were further out, but <laughs> I mean it's a neat touch to be able to smell chocolate, and it ties back to 
the senses, you're engaging the senses um, when you are building an environment like that. And, and so it's great that they have that chocolate smell that they apparently can turn on and off to meet their needs. <laughs> so this is, is, is chocolate world itself, is, is that free to visit? I mean, is it, is it all free? I know that there are some actual rides there. Uh, but you're not necessarily paying like a gate price, right? Like you would at Hershey Park, or am I wrong? No, you're right. It's free to get in. Uh, okay. Parking would cost in most times of the year, I think. But um, it was free when I visited in early March because uh, there was almost nobody there. <laughs> uh, but yes, Hershey's Chocolate World, it's sort of like an FEC, sort of like mm. a brand experience, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I hasn't I hadn't visited Chocolate World itself since 2002 I think. Oh wow. So again, essentially all new to me, especially because the factory tour was redone about 10 12 years ago I think, but I I hadn't done it on my latest visit before now. And it's I mean it's a cool experience, DJ. There's this very large building that has this arboretum in the middle. There are lots of tropical trees, including a few cocoa trees as well, uh, with the buds of, of chocolate cocoa beans ready to sprout, it seems like. Uh, there's, there's a, a chocolate river. There's a pipe of chocolate, a large boat on the chocolate river. There's a little German kid who falls into the river. That, that might be something else. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, but there's a there's a lot of different attractions around there. There's a 4D show. I didn't do it. I, I'm not sure if it was open when I visited, but there's other entertainment-based attractions, too, uh, that if you look on their website, they do look like a lot of fun. Um, I, I didn't do those on this past visit. I'm not sure if everything was open because it was in the doldrums of early March. Um but even so, it was really a cool place, and there was this enormous chocolate store with different offerings of unique chocolate bars that, I don't know what it is, but they just taste better in Hershey. It might be because it's mm. fresher. It might be because I just am in the environment, so I am inclined to feel like it tastes better. But <laughs> it's, a, it's a fun trip to do if you haven't done it yet, DJ. You haven't been to Hershey Park yet, have you? Um, I actually have been to Hershey Park. Um, I have not been to Chocolate World, um, but oh. I have been. I have been to Hershey Park um, in January when everything was, was closed. Ask, was it open? And I had to. <laughs> it was for an event, and I had to walk by literally everything, seeing it all closed. I've wanted to do Sky Rush my whole life. Oh. Well, not my whole life. I guess since it was built, but you know, I remember watching the Travel Channel shows that featured Storm Runner and Fahrenheit, and then I know that um, one of GCI's, isn't it their first coaster is there, the Wildcat? Yes, Wildcat. And so I know that's there. Um, super Duper Looper is super historic. Great Bear might be one of the most uh, unique B&M inverts out there. It's They're all over Curse Supports. Yes, Twitter, that's what I was about to at say. At Curse Supports. <laughs> um, and yeah, I just had to look at it all and and cry because I couldn't ride anything because it was blustery. I think it was 15 degrees that day. Hey, we'll get you there sometime. I mean, for me even to be there and just sort of look at the skyline when it wasn't open. I mean, I looked at Skyrush. There was 
one road when I was driving there, there I just take a turn on the road and boom. Yeah, 90% there's a road right the by there. Yeah. yeah, I mean, just 90% of the layout of <laughs> Skyrush is right in front of you as soon as you make that turn. They had to have like a warning sign ahead of it for to <laughs> warn people and say, you're about to see a roller coaster. Play it cool. <laughs> will we see this on Instagram, the proof of this? Yeah, I've already posted one or two photos, I think, of my trip there. I will say I'm looking forward to getting better photos when the trees are green again and then the sky is a a summer sky instead of a a hazy winter sky. But I got a couple photos at least as well uh, that I'll be sharing throughout the weeks too as we lead up to spring and summer. But I got to say, DJ, at Chocolate World, the star of the show was the Chocolate Tour which was a Omnimover dark ride. And do you know what I mean by Omnimover? Omnimover being just a, a vehicle that moves on a track. You just kind of sit in it like some benches. Yeah, it's, it's like the It can the turn haunted, itself. Yeah. The Haunted Mansion, the Adventures Through Inner Space, yes. Um, Voyage of the Little Mermaid, something like that, where you sit in these clamshell-like vehicles that, like you said, can turn and are moving continuously, hence the name Omnimover. Mm-hmm. Uh, these attractions have uh, incredible capacity, but they're also um, pretty difficult to operate sometimes. I personally haven't operated an Omnimover before, uh, but I, I know that it's, I mean, when you're continuously loading, uh, there can definitely be some pressure in making sure that everything is situated before you reach the end of the conveyor belt. And of course, you can jog the uh, the conveyor belt and even stop it if you have to, but really wanting to avoid that for efficiency's sake. Um, it's it's interesting to see an Omnimover ride outside of both Florida and California, and it's unique. I think I was trying to rack my rack my brain about where there is a ride like this outside of a Disney Universal Park. And the only other close thing that I could say was Boo Blasters at Kings Island, which was, it used to be a more proper Omnimover. Throughout the years, I think they took a lot of the ride vehicles out and added a shooting element. And that's the only other close thing that I can think of when I think of an Omnimover at a park that isn't Disney or Universal. So it was cool that they had that at Hershey and that it was free because it was in that brand experience section of Chocolate World where it's essentially that you are going through the life cycle or product cycle of a cocoa bean once it enters the factory. So there was this narration hosted by an actor that had a screen in the vehicle and they also had the chocolate candy characters out and about um, in different screens throughout the ride itself explaining the processes as you go through grinding the beans to refining it to baking it to whatever they do uh, to milling it and it was interesting to see it was a fun little free ride and I just, I could still, I couldn't shake the thought of it being different from when I had ridden it when I was little. And I know, of course, they had redone the ride since then, but I remember it being real. 
And I don't know if this is because I was little and I had a greater suspension of disbelief or if they really did change it, but I thought I remembered seeing the actual Hershey's Kisses being placed and created in real life right next to me. Um, and that could be wrong. I could be misremembering it. But it is worth noting that it's not a, a live production process that you are shadowing uh, when you go through this chocolate tour. It's still very convincing and very robust, uh, but it's, it's, not the real it's not the real chocolate that you'll enjoy a free sample of when you exit the ride itself. And you didn't wait to ride this ride, correct? You're there in March. There's probably not many yeah, people there. Yeah, nobody was there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I cool. mean, when I got up there, uh, they were still, I mean, it being an Omnimover, they can't stop it to wait for the next people. Right. So they were just sending empty vehicle after empty vehicle <laughs> after empty vehicle because that's the nature of the ride. Uh, but I, I got in. I They had a, a turntable loading, like uh, a lot of... Whitewater Rapids rides do, I think, where they have a continuously moving table instead of a conveyor belt that uh, you would board like something at Haunted Mansion. But it was a fun ride. I know that it's got to have a huge capacity when it's summertime and everybody wants to get in the air conditioning for a little bit and they escape Hershey Park for just a moment to get some free ride as well, maybe even before or after they visit the park. Um, but it was cool to visit it and have it essentially be just us, where I didn't have to wait. I could just go in and ride it. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what you want when you visit really anything like that. <laughs> you know, it's so yeah. harder. It's it's much harder, I should say, I think these days for me to hit a park when it's not slammed. It just, I don't know why that is, but maybe, I don't know. Maybe when mm. I was little, I was just more excited and time seemed to go by quicker but you know it seems like all the parks i've been to recently i mean even before the pandemic they've just been slammed every time yeah it's i mean i kept hearing about with the chocolatier which is a restaurant that was built for chocolate town i kept hearing about how difficult it was to get reservations and how long the wait was because of how popular and how amazing it was but of course it, it being the doldrums of early march I was able to walk <laughs> in and get a table. I was fortunate enough for that to be possible, and that was incredible uh, because it is on the second floor of this huge gift shop, and it now is in the area that is Chocolate Town, which is the shopping and dining district that connects Chocolate World to Hershey Park. Back in the day, they used to be separated by some parking lot, if I remember correctly. Yeah. But now they were all in the same walking district, which just felt natural. And so it's incredible that they did it so naturally and so convincingly as well. Uh, but with the Chocolatier, it's a fancy restaurant, DJ. I knew the prices were going to be premium for what we were about to experience. But they had an incredible looking patio, DJ that overlooked the entrance plaza of Hershey Park, and it overlooked the huge lift of Skyrush and a lot of the ride as well. It wasn't open because it was winter, but I was able to peek my head out the window and say, wow, uh, that'd be incredible to dine out there one day. But uh, I was able to enjoy the chocolatier inside because it was winter, of course. And um, the menu there is very interesting, DJ. It seems like there's chocolate in everything, but I don't know if I would expect it to be any other way. Mm, yeah, I, I remember staying at the 
Hershey Hotel, and even the shampoos and conditioners and soaps were chocolate-scented. I mean, everything. And it was done very Oof. tasteful, I will say. I, uh, very, very tasteful. You want to know something that wasn't tasteful, DJ? You just unlocked a memory for me. <laughs> Buckle up. <laughs> in middle school. Oh, middle school. We make interesting choices in middle school, but I <laughs> used an Axe body wash in middle school. Dark Temptation. Is that the chocolate-flavored kind? Scented yes, it kind? was the same one I used. <laughs> you used it too? Sixth through eighth grade. Oh. Maybe I maybe I stopped halfway in eighth. Yeah, I used the Remember the chocolate. color of it? I don't remember the color of it. Oh, it was like with stain. It was like brown. It was like a dark black <laughs> brown. I'm getting your fingers. Wow. Oh yeah. Yeah, I had yeah. the I had the soap and then I think I got the body spray and then I did it for about two or three weeks and I said, This is this is bad. This is a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. I mean, looking back, I was like, why did I use chocolate body wash? Unironically. It looked cool. Oh, it was a cool. It was middle school. It was, a, it, was a cool, it was a cool thought. And then I moved to, I believe, oh, it's the purple axe. It's not Phoenix, but I used the purple one probably for, I don't know, up until I was a junior in high school. <laughs> yeah, those were the days. I mean, axe with their advertising and their... Their product dressing, it just looked cool back in the day. We had to have it if we were going to be the cool kids to have chocolate-scented body wash. <laughs> I think Old Spice has taken that space over now. I think so. I mean, I, I still use Old Spice, but... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've oh. moved to Degree, so... Oh, you're old. Yeah. You're a dad. you got to use Degree, I think. <laughs> no. I used Degree all the way back. I think that was senior year of high school. But okay. anyways. Anyways, back to the chocolatier. <laughs> I had a bacon barbecue <laughs> burger with chocolate barbecue sauce, DJ. Hmm. Yes, it was delicious. The barbecue sauce was not overpowering because I, I don't know if I would have liked a chocolate barbecue sauce if it was slathered over a rack of ribs oh, okay. but it being a compliment to the burger it was very good it was delicious and i also got to try a little bit of a cuban sandwich that they had with cocoa flakes in it and i am generally big fans uh, a big fan of uh, a cuban style sandwich and that one was also good as well i wouldn't put it ahead of the burger but it was still yummy the showstopper though dj is something that I had seen pictures of for, I guess, a decade now, both at Hershey Park and at other locations where they make a photo-worthy milkshake experience, I guess I could call it. Yeah. Um, have you ever had any of these, DJ, where they just they have the milkshake and they put a ton of stuff on the top of it? No, I think the closest thing I've had, I mean, we talked about the Portillo's cake shake, but yeah. closest thing I had was, uh, if you remember... Um, the donut shop in college they they would put like the whole donut yeah. in the shake and then they'd put the donut a second one on top of the shake that's as close as, I, as i've gotten how decadent yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i i got one of these shakes for the first time and it brought me to the yard um there in the chocolatier i looked at the dessert menu i saw these milkshakes and i said i will have the over-the-top chocolate shake please and they said, "Come right up." And I, I, 
I had to share it with people, DJ. It was too huge. It was incredible. There was a dipped pretzel rod with uh, the chocolate on one side and just the pretzel on the other. There was a a piece of a chocolate bar. Mm -hmm. There was this thick whipped cream that was delicious. It was halfway to ice cream, I feel like. It was just a homemade whipped cream. If you have like real, just fresh whipped cream, not out of the can, I mean, it's awesome. Well, I guess that's what it was then. Yeah, there, yeah. Uh, the rim of the glass was chocolate chips as well, encrusted on the rim. It was incredible. I'd break oh. it off with a spoon and then eat it. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if that's what you're supposed to do, but that's what I did. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> and, and all on top of this was a three-layer chocolate cake slice. So The whole thing it, on top? Yes. All oh. of that was on top of the shake. Okay. I don't I, know how they did that, but they did. I don't want to be too intrusive, and feel free not to answer. Uh, And, of course, you'll just edit this out if you don't answer, I guess. But (laughs) you don't have to tell me how much the food was. Can you tell me how much you paid for that milkshake? I think it was like 16 bucks. 16? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was going to guess 15. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's something that I could not have eaten myself. paying for the labor. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, so I, I did share it with the people I was eating that meal with. Um, and if you split it two or three ways, it begins to get a little more agreeable price-wise. Um, sure. I don't think even if I hadn't eaten anything except for the milkshake, I don't think I could have done that myself. Um, and I like to eat, so that's saying something. <laughs> <laughs> so well, that is definitely pure sugar with a little bit of pretzel carb thrown thrown in there. Yes, I mean. Yes, I had to rest after eating slash drinking that milkshake. When we got out of the restaurant, I had to just sit at that bench and process what just happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> like getting off a of sky rush. It's, it's a similar experience. Yes, it's, it's this, uh, coming back to it, it's this engrossing experience that you have to process. You have to ruminate after experiencing it. And it was incredible. I don't know how often I'll be able to get to the chocolatier because of how popular it always seems to be. But wow, I mean, they got some pretty special stuff there, DJ. I can't wait to go to Hershey when the park is open, when it's full of people, when there's all of this energy going on throughout the park. I can't wait to visit sometime and hopefully soon because uh, the park itself opens April 2nd for the season. So here's hoping that I get to visit sometime during the spring uh, to see what Hershey Park is all about for the first time in many years. Let's go give it a visit and then we'll drive on to Elysburg and experience Knobles as well. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> and we'll stop in Pottsville and go to the Yingling factory as well. Yeah. Well, DJ, that is a little bit of a, a miniature trip report, I guess, but we teased it at the top of the show. There's something going on in Austin, Texas. What is that going on? There certainly is, Chris. Um, I mean, first off, Austin is home to now one of the two F1 races that happens in the United States, the other one being in Miami, the first time this year, a street circuit. But over at Circuit of the Americas, we have CODA, as it's called. We now have what is called CODA Land. Now, CODA Land already existed in a weird in a weird way. It was, there's a karting element to it where you can do some high-speed go-karts. And then there's some rides as well. I think I could be wrong here. I want to say that maybe they just got a new ride of some sort. It was a roller coaster. Um, Texas think, Wildcat, that's what it is. Yeah, it was transported from 
Lightwater Valley, I think. Yes. A Wildcat yes. style coaster. This is a Schwarzkopf Wildcat named yeah. the Texas Wildcat. And so, of course, the the enthusiasts and the folks in the community that like those old co- coasters were very happy to see something not torn down. It's going to go to Coda. Um, but outside of that, they've also got, you know, a kitty coaster and a family coaster. However, uh, we heard many months ago that a coaster called Palindrome would be opening. This is a Gerchlauer shuttle coaster that also has, a, <laughs> it's strange, it has an actual lift like a Gerchlauer coaster. It has a beyond vertical drop. Uh, but then it goes through the course. It does a stall over the over the track, I think, or maybe it's a road. Uh, and then it comes around and does this weird beyond vertical spike and goes backwards with a turntable. We knew about that, and that was cool. Um, but we've now seen, I think it was just yesterday, Chris, or maybe the day before, video surface of Coda Land uh, promoting what is called Circuit Breaker. And why are we talking about this, Chris? Well, this will be... America's only, North America's only, and the second in the world, I believe, uh, tilt coaster built by Vacoma. This is that yellow and blue clickbait roller coaster you see in social media, on YouTube. Uh, you may have even constructed it yourself in RCT3 or Thrillville. Um, this is a track that literally uh, tilts you forward. The entire track tilts uh, what would it be? 90 degrees? <laughs> it starts from flat, goes to 90, but the track itself disconnects, and so you're you're being pulled up, and you're in line with the vertical track below you. You're held there for a few seconds, and then you're dropped. So you get kind of this free fall experience um, with a full coaster. And I would assume the experience would be more intense than a dive coaster from B&M, perhaps? It's hard to say. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how many times I have been tagged in that viral Facebook video <laughs> of Gravity yes. Max in Taiwan. Yes. Of, of the, would you write this? Have you seen this, Chris? It, and I, every time I say, wow, thanks for sharing. That looks incredible. <laughs> I would write it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess we're unsure on the layout of this thing. I mean, the one you're mentioning in Taiwan, uh, standard lift hill, 90 degree drop in a tunnel. I believe you do a vertical loop. And then there's kind of a, a double helix. That's it. This is using Vacoma's new trains, new track style. Are we going to see, what do you think, something different? There's not really much information on this besides the little teaser video, which you can find on on YouTube. RCDB doesn't mention any height, any speed, any inversions, nothing. Well, this is new age Vacoma that we haven't really seen in the U.S. yet, I, I don't think. We've seen something like Dragonflyer or their family inverted coasters at a couple of locations in the U.S. Disney attractions, where, you could say, yes, to an extent. Yeah. Other than that, we haven't seen a lot of new Vacoma products in the United States. And we, we see these designs. I don't remember the name of the most recent one that opened up. But these launch coasters, even these coasters with a lift and then a ton of inversions, this winding organic layout, uh, that's a a Vacoma coaster. And it looks entirely different from what they did even a decade ago or or two decades ago, especially. Um, It's this next generation of a Vacoma thrill attraction. And this is going to be the first big, big example of it in the United States. So... I am very excited to see that happen. I mean, we got to open up Palindrome first, which is that <laughs> shuttle coaster that you you alluded to. It's incredible that they have announced two very unique high-profile roller coasters before even one is open yet. Uh, so yeah. they have a very, very ambitious, very big 
build schedule that just seems incredible. And I can't wait to both see what they're about to do with what they've planned and what they do next as they become a tourist destination for not only racetracks, but for roller coasters and thrill rides. It's incredible to see. And the president has even said, you know, this was this was the plan all along for Coda, as he calls it. This was always the plan to have this amusement park. And so I'm very excited. Uh, like I said earlier, um, you know, F1 was not in the cards for me this year. But maybe next year, when I get down to Austin, not only will I be able to see Lewis Hamilton and George Russell and Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc and he who must not be named from Red Bull, but um, I'll also be able to enjoy... Uh, two world-class roller coasters. And I would bet, Chris, there will be many park higher-ups visiting Codaland in the near future to see what Vacoma has done. They've really tried to, you know, rebrand themselves, really, because, like you said, the past 10 years, 20 years, they did, what, boomerangs, rough SLCs, and really that's it in the United States. I mean, they did some great things for Disney, but they weren't... I would say for your parks on the calling list when they needed a new ride. Yeah. And, and now I, I think, I mean, ambitiously, I think they have to be now because it's, it's incredible to see what they've done in the last two or so years, these incredible rides that just have a, a unique style of flow that is unlike a B&M or unlike Premier. It's it's distinctly Vacoma, I would say, going through these different inversions and elements. It's It takes a little bit of the RMC jazz, but also makes it its own, I guess I should say. Uh, I'm not an engineer, so I can't really put it into more concise or deliberate terms, but I, I think I know what you, I think you know what I'm saying. I think your G comb, your G radius comb is very high on those rides. That's what I would say. <laughs> Yeah, it looks very intense. It looks like a very unique ride. But speaking of a unique ride, there's a mock launched coaster that opened a couple years ago that is becoming new again. Yeah, we're going to Blackpool Pleasure Beach in UK. Uh, I've noticed, uh, I believe it was a video I saw this first, they've thrown on the back seat of this mock coaster. They've gotten rid of the stationary four seats and replaced it with um, a ride to happiness slash time traveler spinning car. So you can ride Icon as you normally would. However, the last two cars now face back to back and they the, the whole car turns. And so obviously this is something you would want to do, right, Chris? You you want the high thrill. You want to go through those inversions spinning. You've experienced time travel or what it's like to, to spin on a launch. But now they're saying you need to pay the equivalent of $25 for this ride. Now, is this going to be an introductory cost to experience it? Are they going to do away with the upcharge maybe in a year or so? Or is it going to stay like that? You know, that was my question. Are they doing this because... They're, they just know that freaks like you and I would be in that spinning car line uh, back and back to back to back. So is this their way to kind of pulse who is on it? Like you said, how long is it going to stick around? Um, also, my question, what if nobody rides it? Because they're just like, yeah. well, I'm not going to pay the price. So now you've effectively lost four people each ride dispatch cycle. 
Well, I don't know what the their operation style is in terms of different locations for operators, but I would think that having an upcharge row, they'd have to have at least one additional operator, I think. Uh, maybe even two if they did it very efficiently. Uh, I mean... I'm not explaining it well, but I would think that a coaster like this might have a grouper, but to both have a grouper or maybe have a, a different section of queue for it that they have to manage the upcharge element or ticket, however they're going to manage that, they are probably going to add at least one operator to the rotation at the ride. So that's an additional expense because they are simply charging for it. But now uh, I guess they've crunched the numbers and it makes more sense to charge around 25 US dollars for it uh, to make up for that and to make it this new for 2022 attraction. Enzo, is that what they're calling it? Enzo, something like that. Uh, but. Yeah. Now, DJ, would you clarify a point for me? Is yes. the spinning car itself like a time traveler car where it's this big, beefy car? Or is it something different like we saw at the end of Steel Taipan in Australia where it's only two cars in the row that spin on a tighter radius? Um, from what I understand, it's like the Steel uh, Taipan, as you were pointing out, or maybe like the, the prototype car that mock had in that video where they threw right. the spinning car on on blue fire i don't think it's this big beefy um whatever you know black pool pool pleasure beach um i would not say is a family-centered park from what i understand it's very high thrill teenage young adult focused so i wouldn't be surprised that they have this car on there that just you know just spins there's no yeah. magnetic damper or anything like that. <laughs> and and I've seen the video of this thing. You guys can look it up on YouTube, dear listener. Uh, be sure to check out the POV. But, um, I mean, it looks it looks good. Um, and so I think if you were to ask me, would I pay to ride this thing? Uh, absolutely. Uh, once. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> that I would pay more than that to do it another time. But, I mean, I'm in the UK. like <laughs> So you have to assume I've already flown on the plane to go to this place. I'm probably going to Alton Towers, Thorpe Park. Of course I'm going to pay $25 to ride this thing. When when am I ever going to be back? I got to say though for $25 I I'm going to need it to spin me until I can't spin anymore. <laughs> I'm going to need it to be I mean there's some good spins on that POV and I know it's all about weight but I was watching I was like holy cow that's that looks yeah. great. So that's a little story from Icon, you know, a, a ride that from what I understand is pretty mid-tier but uh you know a smooth ride, a, a decent experience. So I'm happy to see that they've added some things to it. Um, but speaking of adding things to it, I don't think we're adding anything more to this podcast. Right. I think that we've had a good run here. We've we had a, a pretty drawn out beginning of the podcast, which it just sort of happens sometimes. It's pretty organic, to use that word again, uh, where we, we talk about something that we want to talk about and we explore it and elaborate on it. And I'm glad that we were able to explore that. But it is time to hit the brakes on this episode, episode 63, I think, of Corkscrew Convos. So dear listener, thanks for riding with us, I guess we should say, on this episode. 
We have an email address if you want to have a corkscrew conversation with us. That is corkscrewconvos at gmail.com. We are on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, TikTok Instagram, YouTube as Corkscrew Convos. Uh, we, we do generally try to have a, a little bit of fun on Instagram and Twitter especially, uh, but also Facebook and TikTok occasionally as well. So please go ahead and interact with us. Follow us on these platforms. Follow the show if you haven't already. So as, as soon as we post these episodes, You'll get them in your feed for free, of course. Um, and if you do want to help out the show, there's a great way to do that by giving us a written five-star review on Apple or a five-star review on Spotify, which now offers reviews for podcasts as well. So, DJ, before we close it up, do you have any final thoughts? You know, final thought for me is just to really consider giving that review, giving that follow. All these things are free, and it really is um, the best way you can help the podcast. I think there's a lot of things, Chris, you and I want to do, um, and it just needs to make sense for us. I mean, um, we do this because we love it, and it's a, it's a great hobby. Um, and so I'm glad that you, dear listener, have been along for the ride, whether it's been our first episode, your second episode, your first episode i mean maybe you've been with with us from the beginning so i really appreciate you dear listener i appreciate you chris and i'm very happy to be talking about something i love uh, and happy to do it anytime until next time my name is chris and my name is dj and this has been another corkscrew convo thanks for listening <laughs>